Father, this morning, we thank you so much that we can come here and study the the beauty of your word, the truth that is therein that sets us free, that gives us joy in your fellowship, that feeds us with the Holy Spirit. And indeed, Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit would be here with us this morning. We pray, Lord, that our hearts might be pricked, that they might be convicted, but also comforted and strengthened. And Lord, that we might be challenged today and find, Lord, that we need to be a people who are consecrated to you, not legalistic people, full of grace, full of love, but full of truth as well. So we ask your blessing to be with us now, and we pray it and ask for it in Jesus' precious name. Let all God's people say, Amen. So this morning, friends, we're going to talk a little bit about Sabbath keeping. Now, many of you have heard of the, of the Dummy series books. How many of you have heard of that? You know, you've got pianos for dummies, guitar for dummies, gardening for dummies. Now, we're not going to say that we're going to call it Sabbath keeping for dummies, okay? We're not saying that, but we're going to call it how to keep the Sabbath for Adventists, right? We often hear the non-Adventist version of those folks that are coming into the church, you know, you know, don't buy or sell on the Sabbath and so forth. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but in a little bit of a different perspective, specifically geared towards people who are already Adventists. Because what I find in many of the churches I'm at, many of the churches I preach, and many of the people I observe, people today, Adventists, are not keeping God's holy day holy. They're not doing it. They're breaking the Sabbath. They're violating the Sabbath. They're doing all kinds of things on the Sabbath that God has specifically said in His Word not to do. Now, I remember the first time that I ever stepped foot in the Adventist church on a Sabbath morning, and uh, I had been studying the Bible. I was 22 years old. I had come out of atheism, and uh, I had studied, been studying all the truths, been listening to multiple tapes, watched different speakers on uh, the, the net series and all these different things. In fact, I watched about three different net series. I listened to an evangelistic series about three times on tape, and I had done about five sets of Bible studies. So I understood the truth of the Sabbath. And I came in and I sat down, and it was a church uh, where there weren't a lot of people. And I remember sitting down, and when the opening song came, when the invocation came, I remember just my heart was overwhelmed, and I began to weep, and I began to cry as the Spirit of God touched my heart, because I said, this is true joy. This is freedom, fellowship with Christ, being in the house of God on the Holy Sabbath day during this sacred hour of convocation. And my heart just was overwhelmed, and I cried, and I wept, and I was overjoyed at worshiping God on the Sabbath. The music wasn't great. In fact, the oldest, I was the youngest person in the church by 30 years. The next person older than me was like 50-something years old. And then it went up to 70 after that. And then it was in the 80s and 90s. So I was like the only bald head amongst many gray heads. But let me tell you, friends, I wasn't there because I said, oh, I need to have other people my age. I wasn't there because the music was nice. I wasn't there because I, I wanted to impress anybody or to see my friends. I was there to worship the living God. And let me tell you, friends, when the Holy Spirit touches your hearts, it doesn't matter how good or bad the music is. It doesn't matter if the person who's the platform chairman is a little bit quirky. It doesn't matter if the children's story goes too long or the sermon is dry. You are there to worship the Lord. You are there to receive a blessing and to be a blessing. Amen? 
We go to worship God on Sabbath, not just to get, but to what? But to give, amen? And those who go to the house of the Lord to give of themselves always receive the greatest blessing, amen? But let me tell you, friends, what a joy it is to be in God's house on His holy Sabbath day, amen? You know, if you look across the world, how many time zones are there? How many are there? There's 24 time zones, yes? 24 time zones. That means that on the East Coast, when worship commences at 11 o'clock and ends at 12 o'clock, what time is it now in the central time zone? What time is it? It's now 11 o'clock and church is beginning. And when church ends there, what time is it in the mountain time zone? 11 o'clock. And when church ends there, on the Pacific time, 11 o'clock. Are you with me? So when we have worship at that appointed hour every Sabbath, there are literally 24 hours of worship and praise ascending to the God of heaven. Can you say amen this morning? So the Sabbath is a delight, yes? The Sabbath is a joy. The Sabbath is a privilege in which we have to disconnect from this world and to connect with our Creator. And He wants to spend that time intimately with us. What do you say this morning? Are you thankful for the Sabbath? And we always talk about the joy of the Sabbath and the delight of the Sabbath, but I'm fearing that our people, or the people of God, are reaching the place where the Lord of the Sabbath is taking a secondary place. That we are not seeking to make Jesus the Lord of the Sabbath in our lives. That we are seeking to make it into our Sabbath and a day that is a holiday rather than a holy day. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the Sabbath this morning. I'm going to start with a statement from Councils of the Church, page 268. I want you to notice this. Whoever obeys the fourth commandment will find that a separating line is drawn between him and the world. The Sabbath is a test. It's a what? It's a test, not a human requirement, but God's test. So let no one think today that the way we observe the Sabbath the way that we keep the Sabbath is some church rule. It's not a church rule. It's a divine command from the God of heaven. And if you will not submit ourselves to that authority, then what authority will we submit ourselves to? We'll continue with a quote. The Sabbath is a what, friends? A test. Not a human requirement, but God's test. It is that which will distinguish between those who serve God and those who serve Him not. And upon this point will come the last great conflict of the controversy between truth and error. Which, what will happen? The last great what? Controversy. It will be a test of the truthfulness and the validity of the Word of God. And those who follow God will be faithful to this commandment, yes or no? They will be faithful to it because they believe that God has given it for himself. So let's do a little Bible study now. Go with me. You can look in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And I'm just going to highlight this for just real quickly. I want you to see, we're going to talk a little bit briefly about Sab the Sabbath and righteousness by faith. Can you say amen? You know, many times people say, oh, well, the Sabbath is, is a system of works. No, it's a system of rest. Amen? Many times people say that you're separating yourself from God when you keep the Sabbath. I say, look, I'm actually filling myself with God. Because watch this beautiful principle. In the book of Genesis, notice what happens here. On the first day, God created what? Light, right? Then on the second day, He created the firmament or the sky. The third day, He created the sea and the what? 
and the earth, yes? Now, notice something here. Every time God creates something, He always fills it with something, okay? So on the first day, He created light, and then on the fourth day, He filled the heavens with lights, okay? Then on the second day, He created the firmament, and on the fifth day, He filled the sky with what? Birds. On the third day, He created the sea and the earth, and on the fifth and the sixth day, He filled the sea with fish and filled the earth with what? With animals. Now, likewise, on the sixth day, God created who? He created man. And then on the seventh day, what do you suppose God filled man with? His own presence. How many of you can say amen? Because the God of heaven did not sit on His throne and speak on the seventh day, but He came down and He interacted with man. And it was a personal relationship. And let me tell you what, friends, we are to worship God every day. Yes or no? But we are to keep the Sabbath holy. Amen? We are to worship God every day, but we keep the Sabbath holy. It's separate, it's distinct, because that is the day in which a special way God descends and unites Himself with His people as they seek to have an intimate, personal relationship together. How many can say amen today? How many of you want to be... How many of you know that on the Sabbath, God will give us a double portion of His Spirit? Amen? How many of you want that? On the Sabbath day, He fills us with Himself. So before sin, God intended the Sabbath day to be a special relationship with His people. After sin, His intention was to be used as a blessing to man to remind him each week that God's power of restoration was at work in his life. How many of you can say amen? The fact that God created the Sabbath before sin came to the earth is a very certain truth that God intended the Sabbath to be kept throughout all the ages of humanity. What do you suppose today? That's the greatest evidence that we have. Psalm 33 verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breadth of His mouth. Can we understand the power that is in the word of God when He speaks? Can we understand that power? You understand. When God speaks, things happen. Things move. Things come together, things appear, things form, and things are when God speaks. What do you say this morning? The power of the spoken word of God is very amazing. Psalm 33, verse 8 and 9. Therefore, the Bible says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The spoken word of God that created this world is amazing. Yes or no? It's, it's marvelous. It's powerful, friends. And yes, there is an Almighty God that could speak the world into existence in six literal days. That kind of God exists. That kind of power is in His capacity. He has the ability to do those things. And because of that, because He is our Creator, He demands and deserves our worship, our adoration, and our affection. Because if it were not for Him, we would not even be in existence. Amen? Amen. So let's worship the Lord. What do you say? Now, friends, let me say this. That the spoken word is no greater power than the written word. Or in other words, the written word has as much power as the spoken word. Yes or no? And so in Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says the word of God is living and what? Living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrows. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So when God speaks in his audibly, the same power that was used to create the world when God spoke is the same power that's written here to change your heart and to make you more like Christ, to deliver you from sin, to forgive your sins, to infuse you, to uh, empower you through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? It's the same word. And so when we read the promises of God's word, they do a recreation in our hearts. How many of you can say amen today? And we believe that when God speaks the words of forgiveness by faith, it is there. So as we look into nature, dear friends, especially on the Sabbath day, as we, as we gaze into the flower, as we gaze into the trees and the animals and the mountains, not many mountains in Michigan, but we look at the beauty of nature, amen? We see great power displayed at creation. What do you think? Great power. And when we look into that beautiful nature on the Sabbath day, we recognize that the same power that was at work by God's audible voice through creation is the same power that is at work in our life for redemption. That is why the Sabbath is a memorial to God's creative power and is a memorial to Him as a Savior because we recognize that power that created is at work in our lives for salvation. How many can say amen today? Does that give you hope this morning? Does that give you joy in your life? Now go with me to Hebrews chapter 3. We've got to move quickly here today. Hebrews chapter 3. I want you to see something very significant, very important, very vital this morning. Hebrews chapter 3. And we're going to uh, just try to do this very briefly here. Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to talk in Hebrews chapter 3. He's talking about the children of Israel who were not faithful to God, wandering in the desert and in the wilderness, right? But Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16, he says, For who having heard rebelled, indeed was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter because of what? Because of unbelief. Why did the people of old not enter into the Canaan land? Because of unbelief. Okay? Then he says, Therefore a promise remains of entering to his rest. Let us fear lest any of you has seemed to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Some people say we, the Old Testament people were saved by works. No, they were saved by the gospel. By the gospel of grace. Amen? But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Do we sometimes maybe have the same problem? What do you think? We have the same problem, don't we? Although the works for we who have believed do enter that rest, as he says, so I swore by my wrath they should not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. That rest that he's speaking of here is what kind of rest? Salvation, right? Rest in Christ, being forgiven for my sins, putting faith in him yes okay now watch this for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way and God rested on the seventh day from all his work so he's quoting Genesis here right then he goes on down here I'm going to drop down to verse um, nine I'm just going to cut to the point there remains therefore a what friends a rest for the people of God. Now that word rest is the word sabbatismos, which means Sabbath rest, okay? Then he comes back and ties it all together 
verse 10, for he who has entered his rest, talking about the salvation rest of Christ, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Well, the question would be, how did God cease from his works? Well, verse 4 tells us, he rested from the, on the seventh day from all his what? From all his works. So what verse 9 and 10 is saying is, once you have received the rest of Christ for your soul, you have entered into that righteousness by faith experience, and Christ has transformed your life, you cease from your work on which day? The Sabbath. To declare to the world that I'm saved by grace through faith. You understand that? So, so, so many people say, oh, well, well when, you, when you keep the Sabbath and you stop working, you're trying to be saved by works. No, actually, I'm telling the whole world that I'm saved by grace. Because I am, when I cease from my work on the Sabbath, I am, I am telling the world that I cannot be saved by my own works. That's why I stop my work, my physical labor, to tell the world, hey, I can't be saved by works. I can only be saved by the righteousness of Christ and by putting my faith in Him. But this is a testimony to the world that I'm saved by grace. So those who work on the Sabbath and maybe rest on Sunday, they are attempting to be saved by what? By works. So Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that this, keeping the Sabbath is a righteousness by faith experience. Amen? I don't keep the Sabbath to be saved. I keep the Sabbath because I am saved. How many can say amen this morning? Yes, I'm resting from my works. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12 and 20. We won't go there. You can write it down. But the Bible tells us. It says that I gave them my Sabbath as a sign to them that they may know that I am the Lord that does what? Sanctifies them. I gave you the Sabbath so that every time you keep the Sabbath, you're reminded that I am making you holy. I have set aside this day to be holy because I want you to be holy. And I make you, Sabbath keeping does not make you holy. Sabbath keeping is a sign of whether or not you're receiving the holiness of God through faith. You understand that? That's the difference. Are you with me? God keeps you holy. God makes you holy, yes? Exodus chapter 20. We won't turn there again, but I'm just going to, you can write it down. Exodus chapter 20. There, let me just say the statement. Deliverance always precedes obedience, but obedience always proceeds from deliverance. Let me say that one more time. Deliverance always precedes what? Obedience, but obedience always proceeds from what? Deliverance. So before God gave the children of Israel the Ten Commandments, what did He do for them? He delivered them from where? Egypt. And He baptized them where? In the Red Sea. And He brought them where? To Mount Sinai, and he said, Look, now that I've delivered you, now that you've been baptized, now that I have brought you out of that plague of sin, and I've given you salvation, now do what? Because you have seen the deliverance I've given to you, do what? Obey me. And then he gave them the Ten Commandments in verses 1 through 17. How many can say amen today? So God always delivers, but deliverance, friends, if you have not truly been delivered by, from sin, if you have not experienced the fullness of redemption, you will always scoff and chafe at obedience to God. If you're scoffing at obeying God's commands, whatever they are, whether they be in the Scripture, or Spirit of Prophecy, wherever, 
It is because you have not fully understood what Christ has paid for you. Are you with me, yes or no? Because when we truly understand that, we yield loving obedience to God. Now, I'm not going to take you to this because of our time, but Isaiah 56, Exodus 34, Revelation 13 and 14, the Sabbath has a prophetic end-time significance, doesn't it, today? How many believe that this morning? It has a prophetic end-time significance, and I wish we had time to unpack that, but I'll just do a little bit here real quickly for you. And Exodus chapter 20 is very interesting. The Bible says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and all that is in them. How many of you see that from the commandment? And then it says in Revelation 14, the first angel's message, Worship him who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. It's actually quoting from where? The fourth commandment. Revelation 14, the three angels' message is actually quoting from Exodus chapter 20. How many can say that's beautiful? Amen? It's a beautiful thing this morning. Now, remember what Ellen White said here, counts to the church, that the Sabbath will be a what? It'll be a what? It'll be a test to the church. It's not just a test for the world, but it's also a test for the church. What do you think? Because God's people aren't always doing this. Now, the Sabbath has a very profound necessity to be proclaimed to the whole world in a new covenant prophetic message of righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. Its truthfulness and beauty compel us both to live it and to preach it. Let me show you why. Go with me quickly to Isaiah chapter 56. Isaiah chapter 56. And notice what it says here. Isaiah chapter 56 and you can read from verse 1 and on, and it talks about those who, do, who keep the Sabbath, who don't defile it, etc., etc., but I'm just going to jump to the main text here. Notice this, Isaiah chapter 56. It says, Also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve Him and to love the what? The name of the Lord to be his servants. Now, it's, what's interesting is this. This is what I was going to show you earlier. We didn't have time. I'll just tell you real quickly. In Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 and on, concerning the 144,000, what do they have written in the forehead? The what? The name of God. In Revelation 13, what is it that the Antichrist power is blaspheming? It says he opens his mouth to blaspheme the what? The name of God. So there's something about the name of God. In Exodus chapter 34, God passes before Moses and he says, you cannot see my face, but I'll hide you in the rock and I'll let you see my backside. And when God goes and passes by Moses, he says, behold, who? The Lord God. And he says, I'll proclaim my name to you. And he says, my compassion, my loving kindness, my goodness, etc. So the name of God has to do with the what? The character of God, you understand? And the character of God is intrinsically connected to keeping the what? The Sabbath. You see that. The name of God, Isaiah 56, Revelation 13, Revelation 14. It's intrinsically connected. That's why Satan wants to attack the name of God, you see? Because it has to do with his character, which was revealed in his law, specifically in his seventh-day Sabbath. How many could say amen today? How many want, want the Father's name on your forehead today? Those, how many of you love the name of the Lord today? Those who love the name of the Lord, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain. Now notice that. And make them joyful in my house of prayer. 
Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my household to be called a house of prayer for who? All people, all nations. So, so here's the thing. How do I get to the house of prayer? By not defiling the what? Sabbath, it says right there in the text. Are you following me? Or are you sleeping? You're following me. It says I get to the house of prayer by honoring the Sabbath. And if the house of, and if the, if the um, house of prayer is intended for all nations, then what else would be intended for all nations? The Sabbath, which means that the people who understand the Sabbath have a solemn obligation to preach this truth to who? All nations. And who is the people today that love the Sabbath? Who are they? Raise your hand this morning. They're you. So the Sabbath gives us a solemn obligation to preach the prophetic significance to live it before the whole world. Yes or no? Because God desires all nations to come where? To the house of prayer. I mean, you can say amen. So listen to this, friends. Watch this. this is my, these are my own words here. How you keep the Sabbath has a direct correlation with your understanding and experience of righteousness by faith. How you keep it either leads your family and the world closer to Jesus or drives them further away. What do you say this morning? How you keep the Sabbath as a direct witness to your children, to your family, to your co-workers, to everybody around you. What do you think this morning? If you have not experienced righteousness by faith personally as a life-altering transformation by grace through faith in Christ, then you will not keep the Sabbath according to God's ideal for your life. Alternatively, if you view the Sabbath keeping through the eyes of righteousness by faith, then the requirements of God for keeping the Sabbath holy do not become legalistic, but holistic and necessary for receiving the fullness of the Sabbath blessing in my life and proclaiming Christ to the world through it. What do you say this morning, yes or no? Huh? Oh, you guys are getting kind of quiet. Are you with me? All right, let's take a look at a statement here. It says from Maranatha, page 244, to all who receive the Sabbath as a sign of Christ's creative and redeeming power, it will be a what? A delight. Seeing Christ in it, they delight themselves in Him. The Sabbath points to them the works of creation as an evidence of His mighty power and redemption. While it calls to mind the lost peace of Eden, it tells of peace restored through the Savior. And every object in nature repeats His invitation, Come unto me, all the that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now notice this statement. I love this sentence. The Sabbath is a golden clasp that unites God and His people. Amen? Because it's more than just a day. It's about an understanding of redemption. It's an understanding of redemption. It's a beautiful thing. Notice this. Remember what it is? What do we say? It's a what? It's a test. It's a test to see if you understand. So let's talk a little bit about the preparation for the Sabbath. Now we're not going to turn there, but you can write it down. Exodus 16 talks about preparation for the Sabbath, doesn't it? When the manna came down from heaven, the people were to gather a certain amount every day for whatever they needed. If they left it over, what would happen to it? It would rot and it would stink and have worms. But on the sixth day, God worked a miracle by raining it down any day, didn't he? But on the sixth day, he worked a double miracle because it rained down how much? Twice as much. And then he worked a third miracle by preserving it from the sixth day to the seventh day. Notice some people say, well, well, it doesn't really matter which day you keep. It, it, it's, uh, 
you know, any, any day in seven will do. Well, God, if you, if you had that attitude in those days, you'd be eating rotten worms for breakfast. Are you with me? Because it was a specific day that he rained twice as much, the sixth day. Now, look at this. Notice this statement here. Councils of the Church, page 262. All through, all through the week, we are to have the Sabbath in mind and make, making preparation to keep it according to the commandment. We are not merely to observe the Sabbath as a legal matter. We are to understand its spiritual bearing upon all the transactions of life. All who regard the Sabbath as a sign between them and God, showing that He is the God who sanctifies them, will represent His principles of government. So there is the, so the Sabbath preparation begins Friday, right? No, it begins Sabbath evening after the sun sets. I begin thinking about the Sabbath already because it is the pillar of my week. It is the core. The Sabbath does not revolve around the rest of my week, although today in God's church, for many, that's the case. Might be your case today. I don't know. But the Sabbath day is the thing in which everything else revolves. Everything else centers around. Do you understand this? So my, my daily choices... My daily work, my daily interaction, and my daily everything that I do just on a day-to-day basis should revolve around making time and making the proper preparation for the what? For the Sabbath day. You understand? Testimonies for the Church, volume 6, page 355 and 356, says, On Friday, let the preparation of the Sabbath be completed. Not begun, but what? Completed. See that all the clothing is in readiness and all the cooking is done. Let the books be, boots be blackened and the baths be taken. It is possible to do this. If you make it a rule, you can do what? You can do it. See? The problem is people don't become, become diligent in making the preparation all week long. They wait till Friday about 5 o'clock and then they go crazy because they've got to cook a meal and clean the house and iron the clothes and et cetera, et cetera. And then they're working long into the Sabbath evening. The Sabbath is not to be given for the repairing of garments, the cooking of food. She does say you can heat up your food, of course, to pleasure-seeking or to any other worldly employment. Before the setting of the sun, let all secular work be what? Laid aside, and all secular papers be put out of sight. Parents, explain your work and its purpose to your children. Let them share with you in preparation to keep the Sabbath according to the commandment. Be ready for the Sabbath. Amen? Now she says there's another work that goes into preparing. Another work that should receive attention on the preparation day. On this day, all differences between brethren, whether in the family or in the church, should be put away. Let all bitterness and wrath and malice be expelled from the soul. In a humble spirit, confess your faults to one to another and pray for one another. So listen, friends, don't wait till communion to confess your faults one to another. Amen? Every Friday, do it. What a beautiful thing. Listen, let me say this because I don't want to forget it. Every requirement that God has for Sabbath keeping is not to be legalistic or to be binding or to be exacting, but it is a very diligent and reasonable command so that it will prepare our hearts to receive the fullest blessing of the Sabbath. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So when God asks us not to do this and not to do that, it's not because he's trying to be arbitrary, but it's because he wants us to receive the greatest blessing. That's a joy, amen? That's how you see it through the right eyes. Now, what about church attendance? Go with me. Well, let's just, I'll just read this. Councils on Health, page 382. 
Your neglect to attend the public worship of God is a serious error. The privileges of divine service will be as beneficial to you as to others and are fully as essential. You may be unable to avail yourself to these privileges as often as do many others. She's actually talking to a physician here. You will frequently be called upon the Sabbath to visit the sick and may be obliged to make it a day of exhausting labor. Such labor to relieve the suffering was pronounced by our Savior as a work of mercy and no violation of the Sabbath. But when you regularly devote your Sabbath to writing your labor, making no special change, you harm your own soul, give to others an example that is not worthy of imitation and do not honor God. So listen, friends, go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 25, you've heard this text before, and I'm going to read it again. How important is it for you to go to church on Sabbath? I mean, it's like mind-blowing to see how many people of God think that it's not that big a deal to go to church on the Sabbath. Now, I understand that sometimes we're sick, and the elderly can't get out of their homes, and I understand that there's certain, sometimes certain circumstances, but just because I'm tired and I just don't feel like being there, I'm just going to sit at home and watch 3ABN, that is not acceptable to God. God expects us to be loyal and committed to the local church. What do you say this morning? He wants us to do this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, the Bible says, uh, verse 24, let us consider one another to stir up good works, love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. But as the manner as of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day what? Approaching. So the reality is this. He's saying the, more we're, the closer we get to the second coming of Christ, are we close to that? What do you think? The more we ought to feel a burden to be in the church on the Sabbath. I mean, I cannot believe that I even have to preach this message to Seventh-day Adventists today. These are things we ought to be preaching to new converts Jesus, Luke 4, 16, Jesus, as his custom was, went to where? The synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. Dear friends, it is essential for you to be at church. Now, tomorrow I'm going to talk about Sabbath school. Somebody ought to say amen. Now, listen, some people say, well, but, you know, I go into nature. I go into nature on the Sabbath, and I get more of a blessing there than I did from church. If you're not getting a blessing from church, bottom line, it's because you're approaching it with the wrong attitude. That's the bottom line. You can give me every argument in the world, and every argument in the world will fall to the same conclusion, the bottom line, that if you're not getting a blessing from the church service, it's because you're approaching it with the wrong attitude. That's just it. I mean, I can't get it any plainer than that. But some people say, well, I'd rather go to the woods. Listen, after the church service, especially in Michigan, even more so in northern Michigan, after church on Sabbath, in the, in the summertime, you have like nine or ten hours of daylight. Who's going to sit in the woods for like 20 hours? I mean, maybe somebody would. I'm not condemning that. But I'm just saying, like, you still have like half a day, literally, to be in the woods. There's a reason that nature is called God's second book. Because this, dear friends, is called the what? It's the first book. And we ought to be, would you rather have the first or the second place thing? Which would you rather have? Would you rather have the first place car or the second place car that wins the race? Which one? Would you rather have the bank account that has more or the one that has less? The one that has more. So why would we miss out what is best to get that which is good when we could still get that which is good 
after we've had that which is best. (sighs) Really? Come on. Don't throw me out of here, dear friends. You know I love you. But go to church, saints. Go to church and ask God to make you a blessing. Amen? Listen, there are certain things that you can get from personal worship that you cannot get at the church. I'm the first to tell you that. But let me tell you what, there are certain things that you get from public worship that you don't get in private worship. You understand? And you got to have both. You got to have what? You got to have both. One is not enough. You cut your finger off and throw it in the corner. You detach yourself from the body. And is it going to grow another you? Or is it going to wither and die? If we're a part of the body, we need to be attached to the body. Amen? And we need to be where the body is when it meets. What do you say this morning? Notice this. Heavenly places, page 152. But while we worship God, we do not consider this a drudgery. The Sabbath of the Lord is not to be made a blessing to us, is to be made a blessing to us and our children. They're to look upon the Sabbath day as a delight, a day which God has sanctified, and they will so consider it if they are properly instructed. They can be pointed to the blooming flowers of the opening buds, the lofty trees and the beautiful spires of grass, and taught that God made these things in six days and rested of the seventh day and hallowed it. Thus the parents may bind up the lessons of instruction for their children, so that when these children look upon the things of nature, they will call to mind the great creator of them all. So, dear friends, please do go into nature, amen? But do it after you go where? Church. If you don't take your kids to church, they're going to grow up thinking it's not important. And that's the case of many today. How about acceptable work on Sabbath? What kind of work is is permitted on the Sabbath? What kind of work? Taking care of the what? Sick. So we've allowed nurses and doctors and others to work on the Sabbath, yes or no? But here's what we've entered into, and I've seen it happen firsthand. We should do even the medical field and the permissible fields of work on the Sabbath. We should do all that we can to be off on the Sabbath. What do you think? We should be at church. That should be our first priority. But if we cannot, we should, be, we should go and serve and have a spirit-filled mind on the Sabbath, yes? But here's what's happening. You have people who are volunteering on the Sabbath to work because it pays overtime. And that, my dear friends, is no different than if you go to the factory and make a car. Are you with me? If you volunteer to, keep, to work on the Sabbath and work overtime to have that extra money in your pocket, you are violating the Sabbath. And I say that with the deepest love and kindness in my heart but with a truth that is real. In fact, I know many people, I'm not saying people have to do this, but I would encourage that if you do are required to work on the Sabbath and the medical field, that you donate those funds to, to the church or to charity or to relieve some soul. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, what about eating out on the Sabbath? Ugh, pastor, you're meddling. You're meddling. No, the Holy Spirit's meddling. <laughs> you talk to him. He told me to say these things. Here's the thing, shopping on the Sabbath. Go with me to Exodus chapter 20. Go with me to Exodus chapter 20. Man, we need about 20 more minutes here, but we'll make it. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it what? Holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your female servant, or your male servant or your female servant or your cattle nor your stranger who was within your gates. Listen, if I go to the store or if I go out to eat, 
The waiter or the cashier becomes my what? They are my servant. They're not my slave, but they're my servant. I'm employing them to work for me. God says to not let your servants work for you. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Okay. Then it says, nor the stranger that was within your gates. That would include the man that comes to paint my house, the man who comes to mow my grass, the man who comes to pour the concrete for me. And he says, I can't do it any other day but Saturday. Are we going to yield to that temptation? Are you with me? Neither the man who is within my gates. Now, here's the, the principle why. Many times we've told, not been told not to go out to eat, not to uh, you know, buy or sell or do business on the Sabbath because of Nehemiah chapter 13 and the Sabbath commandment. How many of you heard that? Yes. And is it true, yes or no? Yes. You read Nehemiah 13. It's a beautiful chapter, right? It talks about defiling the Sabbath from buying and selling. But why is this the case? Why is it the case? Because the Sabbath is all about freedom. It's about what? It's about freedom. It's like a mini day of Jubilee. Are you with me? So you suppose you have a man that owns a factory, and you have the owner of the factory, you have the manager of the factory, you have the shift worker or the shift manager, then you have the line worker, and then you have the janitor. In the world's eyes, is there rank to all those things, yes or no? Yes? But on the Sabbath, God is saying that there is no rank, there is no hierarchy, but every man is equal to each other, and all men sit at my feet. Do you understand this? So on Sabbath, the owner is not the owner to the janitor. He is my brother in Christ. Are you with me? So therefore, God eliminates that hierarchy, and he says, no man shall belong to another on my Sabbath day. Are you with me? No man will be enslaved to another. No man owns another man on my Sabbath. It is a day of jubilee. It is a day of rest. And all those hierarchies are done away with and all come together as brethren to worship me. Are you with me? Yes or no? Therefore, if I, if I receive that freedom from Christ, how many of you are thankful for that freedom today in Jesus? The freedom that Christ gives on the Sabbath, it's a joy. How then am I going to be free from Christ and then go and enslave somebody else to serve me food on the Sabbath and labor for me and wash my dishes and check me out at the store and et cetera, et cetera. How am I going to do that? Because Christ designed that we would extend the same freedom to them as he's given to us. Are you with me? Therefore, we do not go out to eat on the Sabbath. Therefore, we don't go to the store on the Sabbath, unless it's an emergency and we need medicine or something, okay? But we don't do it for just regular, ordinary use. Does that make sense, friends? See, it's not a rule that the church is, it's about freedom. Freedom for us, freedom for our fellow men. How many can say amen this morning? Praise be to God for that freedom. Same thing with doing business. Listen, if we even talk about business on the Sabbath, notice what it says, counsels for the church. The words and thoughts should be guarded. Those who discuss business matters and lay plans on the Sabbath are regarded of God as though they engage in the actual transaction of business. To keep the Sabbath holy, we should not even allow our minds to dwell upon things of a worldly character. Listen, if we employ others on the Sabbath, we cause them to work for us after we have received that freedom from Jesus, we are no different than the unjust steward who had a debt he could not pay and the king set him free and then he went out and grabbed his fellow man and beat him because he owed him like $50. Are you with me? 
When we do that, when we do those things on the Sabbath, we violate the Sabbath that way, we are like that unjust steward, and we are violating God's commands. Let me read to you. God has spoken, and he means that we shall obey. He means what he says, friends. What do you say? He does not inquire if it is convenient for him to do so. The Lord of life and glory did not consult his convenience or pleasure when he left his station of high command and became a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, accepting ignominy and death in order to deliver man from the consequences of his disobedience. Jesus died not to save man in his sins, but from his sins. Man is to leave the error of his ways to follow the example of Christ, to take up his cross and follow him, denying self and obeying God at any cost. Praise be to his name, amen. We consider that a drudgery, but it's such the greatest privilege of our lives to obey God at any cost. What do you say this morning? Do you think that today? Notice this, we'll continue. None should permit themselves through the week to become so absorbed in their temporal interest and so exhausted by their efforts for worldly gain that on the Sabbath day they have no strength or energy to give to the service of God. We are robbing the Lord when we unfit ourselves to worship Him upon His holy day. And we are robbing ourselves as well, for we need the warmth and glow of association, as well as the strength to be gained from the wisdom and experience of other Christians. Let not the precious hours of the Sabbath be wasted where? In bed. In bed. On Sabbath morning, the family should stir early. If they arise late, there is confusion and bustle in preparing for breakfast and Sabbath. How many of you want to confuse your kids on Sabbath morning? There is a hurrying, a jostling, an impatience. Thus, unholy feelings come into the home. The Sabbath, thus desecrated, becomes a weariness, and it's becoming dreaded rather than loved. Listen, friends, if you're so tired on Sabbath because you've labored too much through the week to do outreach in Sabbath afternoon, you've done too much through the week. You haven't prepared for the Sabbath. If you're getting up late, people say, well, Sabbath's my day to sleep in. That ought to be the day we get up the earliest because we're so excited to meet the Lord in the morning. Amen? Because we're so excited about what he's done for us. We're so thankful for Christ. We ought not to let our family lay in bed all morning. We ought to get them up and have Sabbath worship and have Sabbath breakfast and have a fun time together focusing our thoughts on the Lord. We have so little time through the week to do this, and now we are crowding out the Lord's day with our own pleasure and our own satisfaction. Here we go. Let's continue. You ready? None should feel at liberty. Testimonies from the Church, Volume 2, page 704. None should feel at liberty to spend sanctified time in an unprofitable manner. It is displeasing to God for Sabbath keepers to sleep during much of the Sabbath. They dishonor their creator in so doing, and by their example say that the six days are too precious for them to spend in resting. They must make money, and although it be robbing themselves the need of sleep, which they make up by sleeping away holy time, they excuse themselves by saying, the Sabbath was given for a day of rest. I will not, I will not deprive myself of rest to attend meeting, for I need rest. Such make a wrong use of the day. Think about that, dear friends. Is there anything wrong with taking a little Sabbath nap? What do you think? No. I'm not saying that's wrong. But to sleep away the day for hours. When God has considered that day to be holy and not to be spent sleeping, but to be spent serving. The Sabbath is a day of service, brothers and sisters. 
And people say, well, I'm so thankful for my Sabbath. I've even heard people say that. Maybe you've said that. Show me in the Bible where it says the Sabbath is my Sabbath. It doesn't say it. It's not your Sabbath. It's the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Are you with me? It's His day, and it's spent to, it is intended not to be spent in laziness or selfish indulgence to do what I desire. I lay my desires aside according to Isaiah 58. I take pleasure in Him and in doing the things that delight Him. What do you say this morning? Amen? So some people are sleeping away. We need to have family worship on Sabbath. Amen? We need to have those things. We need to guard the edges of the Sabbath because it's sacred to us. Notice this, we should observe our interests, our families, in observing and assemble at the house of prayer with a few or many, as the case may be. We should devote our time and energies to spiritual exercises that the divine influence resting upon the Sabbath may attend them through the week. If all of all the days of the week, none are so favorable for devotional thoughts and feelings as the Sabbath. The Sabbath is intended to draw nearer to God, not to draw nearer to my bed. Bless your hearts. You're all so kind. You're very quiet, but you're very kind. How about hobbies? And so, so don't, don't leave here saying, Pastor West said I can't take a nap on Sabbath. I could say you could take a nap. But if you're going to take an hour nap, give two or three hours to service. Go visit your neighbors. Go visit the sick. Go do outreach. Amen? Do that as well. It's what the Sabbath is for. Um, let's, uh, I'm going to skip past this. Notice this statement here, third selective messages. Every working of Christ in miracles was essential, was essential to reveal to the world that there was a great work to be done on the Sabbath day for the relief of suffering humanity, but the command, common work was not to be done. Pleasure-seeking, ball-playing, swimming was not a necessity, but a sinful neglect of the sacred day, sanctified day by Jehovah. Christ did not perform miracles merely to display His power, but always to meet Satan in afflicting, suffering humanity, Christ came to our world to meet the needs of the suffering whom Satan was torturing. Now, let me ask you a question. Is there anything wrong with, with pleasure seeking, if it's, if it's godly pleasure? Is there anything wrong with that? No. Is there anything wrong with swimming or ball playing? Yes or no? No. But on the Sabbath, those are, might be good things, but they're not what is best. And so listen, watch this. It's not so much that they are, not, that they are bad things for the for, for Sabbath, but they're just not what's best. And on the best day, we're called to the best activities. What do you say? We're called to serve our fellow man because we are so busy through the week, we have no time to do it. And we say, Pastor, I can't give a Bible study. I work too much. That's what the Sabbath's for. Are you with me? Do you still love me? Do you love Jesus this morning? Well, what is good for the Sabbath? What is good for the Sabbath? Well, there's many things to be good for the Sabbath. Spending time in nature, visiting the sick, spending time with family and friends, planning a special activity, picnics, fellowship, prayer, Bible study, music, rest, all kinds of wonderful things that can bring glory to God. The key is bringing glory to God. Amen? How about family worship, having a special meal, lighting the candle? We always do that in my family, watching a Bible or nature video, feeding the birds, learn about missionaries, make a missionary care kit. Play Bible roles. Make a family picture book for prayer. Attend, uh, have a Sabbath activity jar, which you draw something out that we're going to do. Plan next Sabbath's events. Make homemade cards for people. But, or do missionary service for the love of God. Amen? 
missionary service is for the Sabbath. What a joy that we have for that time. Notice this statement, counsels for the church. Look at this. In, at the bottom, lay aside worldly business and employ the sacred hours in devotion. Let all unite to, God, to honor God by cheerful service upon His holy day. What do you say? The Sabbath is a holy day, not a what? Not a holiday. Not a holiday, dear friends. If God invites His people to rest on the Sabbath as a symbol of salvation and His sanctifying power in their lives, but they decide to work or we do our own will instead, then would that be saying that we are attempted to be saved by works? What do you think this morning? We are. We would be attempting that. Don't be saved by works, saved by grace. Do acts of grace on the Sabbath day. Amen? Do acts of grace. The Sabbath is not to be binding, but it is to be joyful, but it is to be sacred. It's a day dedicated to the living God. What do you say this morning? The Sabbath, oh, make it the sweetest, most blessed day of the week. Notice the last sentence in there. It says, the heart does not, the natural heart does not love to think of God, of heaven, of heavenly things. There must be a continual pressing back of the current of worldliness and inclination to evil and letting in of heavenly life. What do you say this morning? I remember a young man named Andre when I was in Ukraine. And Andre came to my meetings. He was an atheist. He accepted Christ. He began to accept the truth. And he accepted the joy of the Sabbath. He went to his parents who were Orthodox. And he said, I'm going to join the Seventh-day Adventist church. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to keep the Sabbath. They said, if you keep the Sabbath, if you join that church, you are no longer our son. And if you come home, we'll kill you. He went to his employer and said, I, be I believe in the Seventh-day Sabbath. I want to keep it holy. They said, no problem. If you want to keep the Sabbath holy... You will, we're going to fire you today and you go find another job. We'll take anybody. Lots of people want to work. And you know what he did, friends? He decided in his heart that he was still going to follow the Lord. On the day of his baptism, he had a heart problem. And his heart was palpitating. So he went to the hospital and they kept him in there. And they, he missed his, his baptism. That week, he decided to meet with me. And so he, 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 he came to the church where I was, and I said, how did you get out of the hospital? He says, I was on the second story, and I climbed out through the window and jumped out the window because they had somebody guarding my door. And he said, is there another baptism this Sabbath? And I said, yes. And so that's, I said, how are you going to get out? He says, don't worry about it. He climbed out the window again because he kept telling them, I have to get to the church for baptism. He climbed out the window again, snuck out of the hospital, and he came and was baptized that next Sabbath. Amen? Here is a young man in his early 20s willing to give his life, willing to give his job, willing to even give up his family for the keeping of God's Sabbath day. What a joy the Sabbath is, dear friends. What did he say this morning? Two beautiful sources, the church manual and the discipleship handbook have beautiful tools. I couldn't cover everything today, but read those books. Read the whole church manual. Read the discipleship handbook. And friends, let us be faithful to God and keeping holy His Sabbath. How many of you want to be faithful to the Lord Jesus this morning? How many of you say, Lord Jesus, I need to tighten up, or you need to tighten up, my Sabbath keeping? How many of you want to say, Lord Jesus, I want, to, I want your living through me in the fullness, and I want the fullness of the Sabbath blessing. Therefore, I'm going to obey you because you know what's best. You want that desire this morning? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, this morning... 
we see the truth and the beauty of your word. Lord, we have not been faithful people. Many even of our, me as a pastor, I've not been always faithful. But Lord, we would, we would have your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. We would have your Holy Spirit work a work of grace within us. And we would ask you, O oh Lord, to draw near to us and to cause us to be faithful to this beautiful day which you have called us to observe. Not out of legalism, but out of grace. Not to earn our salvation, but because we love the salvation you have so freely given to us. And we delight to do those things which will allow you to bless us the most fully. Help us, Lord. We are weak. We are frail. We often don't get it right, Lord. And we need not to feel condemned or, 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 or downtrodden if we mess up. But let us sincerely repent and let us come back to you for you to fill us with your spirit and your kindness and compassion. We love you, Lord, and we want to honor you today. And we come in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.